Take a knee, take a seat, grab a brew, and listen in. This is the Reorg Podcast. And welcome to episode two of this podcast's mini series. When I first thought about this little mini series, it was actually just going to be one episode where I was going to speak to various guests or various podcast hosts and then put it all into one. But, you know, the chats ended up being great. And I thought, no, let's just put it all in one episode each and call it a mini series. So here we are. Uh, this episode is with Paul Grinnell, who's the host of the Grappling with Physio podcast. It's a little bit different to any other podcast that I spoke to. You know, we're not, we're not. It's not really about the the combat side of things. It's, so it's more talking about his po- uh, podcast and why he got into it. And you know, for for a complete novice in jujitsu, for me as well, it was you know interesting to get an insight into that kind of world. So here it is, episode two with Paul Grinnell grappling with the physio. Hope you enjoy. Hi, my name is Paul Grinnell. Uh, I'm a chartered physiotherapist based up in the West Midlands, and I also run the Grappling with Physio podcast. Uh, I'm a former member of the 1st Battalion Irish Guards, which I served in early 97 to late 2002, and uh, currently working as a full-time physio up in the West Midlands. So thanks for coming on, Paul. I appreciate you giving your time up for me. Um, So just wanted to... You know, as, as I spoke to you before, this this little episode or long episode is going to be is just, you know, introducing people to different veteran podcasts out there. And, you know, I've spoke to Hugh and I spoke speaking to Gaz and your your podcast is a little different um, podcast to mine and the one. And, but that's why I want to get you on and, you know, diversify the people, you know, the audience's experience and stuff. So if you just um, when did you start the podcast and why did you start the podcast? And if, if you could yeah. just like explain a little bit about what your podcast is sure dave no problem so um i i think it's it's been going about two years now so i started it roughly about two years ago and uh like we were saying earlier i had this idea where i kind of wanted to get this podcast out where patients or patients of mine or people that i knew especially from the ex-forces community uh, that had served and for, who had unfortunately been maimed or injured uh, in conflict had made a great recovery and then I was going to record a bit of a a non-scripted or an unscripted interview between the pair of us and then they would then talk about their recovery and how they did really well or how they've managed to get to their certain point. So initially it started off as the, uh, uh, I think it was the Primary Physio podcast. And then I I got a couple of knockbacks from a few people saying, I don't particularly want to go on and share that. So it, it kind of changed and it evolved. So because... Uh, one of my other hobbies as well as podcasting is jiu-jitsu uh, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I, uh, I started speaking to people that I was training with. Now, fortunately, one of the one of my best mates who I trained with is an ex-Royal Marine and he had a really bad back injury. So he was like my second guest that I'd managed to speak to. So I've had a couple of uh, veterans on there and I'd love to speak to some more. But a lot of the time, it, it, it's either people that I work with who are in MMA, BJJ, judo, boxing, etc., or people that I've trained with in the past or treated in the past, they kind of come on as guests and we talk about, you know, any injuries that they've had, how they've managed to get through it, or just what their journey was, how they got into boxing, BJJ, etc., and how they do it, how it helps them with their physical and their mental health. Uh, and then it just kind of expanded to what it is now, where I, I just 
speak to whoever I want, but it's majority. The majority of the people are in the kind of BJJ community because I've a, a big um, a love for that kind of mm. environment, and it, it's helped me so much. So a lot of the time, it's it's BJJ related, but boxing, grappling, and anything really in regards to the kind of combat sports or contact sports. Uh, that's where I'm at, kind of speaking to those people. But I do really want to speak to a lot more kind of like veterans who unfortunately have uh, ended up being maimed in the con- uh, through a conflict. And then want to share their story, and I, I think they should be celebrated. I think um, these people should be held up, you know, in such a high esteem, and say, "Look how well this person's done," and um, and get their story out there. Really, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm coming from a complete naive aspect of the the, the MMA world, the, the grappling world, the jiu-jitsu. Because I mean, I did karate when I was a little kid. Like, who didn't? But um, I mean, I was saying to you before, my mum was a black belt with judo when she was 16. She used to throw me around, but I'm just like, just terrible. <laughs> like not that, that's not me yet. You know, there's no, never say never. But, you know, do you, do you find that that kind of communities are, because I've, everyone sees um, MMA on, you know, on TV, the UFC and whatnot. But do you find, you know, so it's got this quite like, is bravado about it is you know it's an aggressive sport but how do you find the Britain jiu-jitsu community and being able to talk to them and especially the veterans in it as well yeah yeah it's one of the i i would say probably yeah there probably is that aspect of mma which is like that way but the truth of the matter especially when it comes to the grappling side of things or jiu-jitsu it's the complete polar opposite it's one of the most welcoming communities for anyone okay there is a saying and it's you know it's bjj for everyone and it's really true. You go to a gym. Um, obviously, you know, you have to check your ego in at the door. Uh, and once you go, it'd be very welcoming. And, and people are very open to all, all BJJ or jiu-jitsu schools are open to new people coming in. It's a fantastic environment. It's very tribal. So, you know, there are a lot of parallels between going to uh, like any martial arts school, but especially jiu-jitsu it's very it's quite tribal right because there's a group of people essentially getting together there's a hierarchy of structure in that group okay so there's quite a few parallels if you were in the military when you go to jits you think oh, i can i can I like this mm. um you know there's a head instructor there might be another couple of instructors underneath but there is the, obviously the belt or the ranking system and uh you know and you go and you could be the uh the biggest toughest close protection ex rugby playing person in the world and then next thing you know some really advanced 14 year old or 15 year old <laughs> who's in the adults class is strangling you and you just think oh, that's pretty humbling so um but yeah but it is it is a really really good and welcoming community there's a guy called um eddie bravo and he, he, he developed the 10th planet jiu-jitsu system and he's always on joe rogan chatting and he just says it's just a bunch of geeks and computer nerds uh and it, it, it like it is it is because mm. a lot of people that go with like bad intentions get strangled and tapped very quick and then they don't show up again Hmm. so what you get is just a a bunch of you know killers that are so unassuming uh you know and it's it's brilliant but it's great because the good thing about uh, i would say jujitsu is that you've got a roll you've got a spar Hmm. um you know some schools have a kind of a, a curriculum where you don't do any of that for the first six months and they bed you in slowly other gyms that you could walk in and you could spar on your first day all right and that can be you know either a, a, a kind of blessing in the skies or a baptism, baptism of fire mm-hmm. or it can be um you know it can be very kind of invigorating where you just think wow 
you know, is that that's what it's like because it's, mm. it's essentially, you know, you're rolling with people. It's one of those sports that you can go full pace and not necessarily get knocked out or get really badly hurt because you've always got the ability to tap. All right. If somebody's about to choke or strangle you, you can tap and then they'll stop. If somebody's about to armbar you or, or you know, um, footlock you, you can tap and it's immediately released uh, and then you go again. So, yeah, so it's it's, it's really good. It, it is. And, I, and I've done other sports. I did, I did quite a bit of boxing, uh, box of the battalion. And, mm. you know, I, I came from a boxing background. I was a bit of a boxing snob, to be honest with you. And it wasn't until somebody that I was treating in my practice said, oh, you ever thought about jujitsu? And I just went, no, what's that? And I had this image, I don't know, like Steven Seagal in like an Aikido outfit, throwing people all and I just went, no, no, that's a lot of rubbish. He went, no, no you should check out jujitsu. So it did. And uh, it never, I've never looked back. It's a real game changer. See, and funny. I, I, everyone, everyone I speak to from the X-Forces, I say, look, man, you should train. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was thinking... Everyone I've ever spoke to, you know, who practices BJJ, they always they're always like encouraging other people to do it. But uh, you kind of, if you look at this is me digging on the CrossFit scene, but <laughs> the CrossFit scene is like a cult, and it's like everyone they're like, right, come and do this. This, you know, they're a bit like they're way over enthusiastic about it. Whereas the BJJ scene is like a, it's not a cult, but it probably is, but it's more like a family, probably. But, Probably is, but it's more of a family. But there's, there's a different way. They're a different way of getting you to do it. That's the way I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you just got to turn up. I mean, I, the, the gym I train at now, Turbo MMA BJJ uh, in Coventry, is run by a guy called Steve Turbot, who, again, I had on my podcast because I thought his story was fascinating. Steve is a uh, two-shot brown belt. He's a former GB uh, judo uh, Paralympian, and he, was, he trained on the team for uh, two years and and he's 98 percent blind <laughs> wow. just like you just you're like what he's like yeah that 98 blind he's t- he's only got two percent vision and he competes in able-bodied tournaments and which is one european level national level it's fantastic and he's an absolute ninja on the map hmm. now that guy never lets anything get in his way you know and he's just he's just such a He's such a nice guy, so humble. He's an absolute ninja and a, he's a real handful and a horrible to roll with sometimes because, you know, he's just tap you at will. But what a, what a great person to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's like that. And that's what happens when you go to a, a jiu-jitsu gym. You start to get, um, you start to get these, meet these people and they're just real great, solid individuals. They really are. And that, that's the kind of environment that we've got. Um, yeah. So one of one of the other things I was I was saying to you earlier, one of the other things that we've done at the gym because there's quite a few X forces. So if you see on our, because um, again, jiu-jitsu is like one of those things. It's, it's so multicultural. I know the Brazilians, and it, it, it started in Japan, then the Brazilians kind of took it, went with it, and now it's huge in America. But wherever when you're at our gym, you'll see that there's flags from whoever's in the gym. There'll be a flag from whatever you mm. want to pull up. And you, anyone can put any flag up. So, you know, like we've got a couple of ex-parachute regiment lads or one lad is still serving. We've got Fusiliers, we've got Royal Marines. There's an Irish flag up there. It's only small, but it's still there. <laughs> you know, we've got Polish lads it, and they all get their flags up. And it's great. You look up at that and you just think, yeah, it's a real good reflection yeah. of, of who's in the gym and what's in the gym. Yeah. And what... um. 
with with your podcast specifically if someone was gonna what what, what is your the, the aim of the podcast you know with the getting on the different people if do do you go to a let's say do you, do you normally speak to them on the mat or do you get them outside or what's the you know the overall outlook on yeah it? um well the the idea is like sometimes i i would if i was traveling or moving around i would find a jiu-jitsu school and if it was somebody that i knew i would say look can i come and train firstly can i come and train yeah no problem and most schools are like that yeah of course you can thanks for getting in touch secondly i would say do you mind if we have a, a chat if i can because i do a podcast and you know it's, it's, some of them are a bit like uh you know play very good at playing the gray man and just maybe kind of like no no i'm all right but then when you get there and you get to roll with them they go yeah yeah come on let's do it so yeah if i'm out and about i will go to gyms and i will interview people in their schools or on the mat and then there's always like the the, the probability of you getting injured in jiu-jitsu is very high okay <laughs> you are pulling you're trying to dislocate and pull at certain joints mm. okay that only have a certain element of strength you're going to get injured. It's not a point of like, oh, this is what I'll do to avoid it. It's when you do get injured, how do you then manage it? And most mm. of these guys that I am interviewing are at top level. So they've always got a story, you know, on my back when I had to have surgery, but they're still on the mat. You know, like most people, if they, they go for some sort of spinal surgery, they cut out their hobbies and they don't do them. Mm. Whereas most of these jujitsu guys, they're like, no, no, I need this. I'm still here. I'm still doing this. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave a, I mean, obviously there's pra the practicality of it and COVID brought that out, you know, mm -hmm. COVID basically make, made it, you know, more appropriate to do like Zoom interviews like this, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the travel restrictions. So I kind of like favoured towards Zoom recently, but now it's opening the back up. I've got like a list of other people. I, I want to go and visit their gyms. I want to interview them. But again, it's a hobby, you know, it's time, yeah. it's money, it's, when can I get it done? And mm. and then it, you know this is where you can kind of lose momentum. You know, like if you're not, which I've done, I've I've lost a little bit of momentum because I'm busy. You know, you've got a job, you've got a practice, you've got a family, and 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 for me it is a hobby. So the next podcast gets done when it when it gets done. I don't like to hold myself to a specific date, but the, yeah. but the idea is to interview someone get their story, get their backstory and find out what makes them tick, what motivates them. Why are they so good at recovering and staying motivated? What, what do you, you know, really get in, ask them those questions, ask them those questions. Right, what makes you tick? Why are you so good at this? How have you had such a long career in this? Uh, and what do you recommend to somebody, you know, coming through, maybe starting at a different age, maybe a little bit older youngsters. What were your mistakes that you made? Um, so like that guest, the guy who was on your second episode, the one who hurt his back, you, didn't you say he broke his back or something? Does he, yeah, still, does yeah. he still roll now? Yeah, well, he's a personal trainer. Fuck. Yeah, So, so, so he's like, a personal trainer. Wow. He's, he's an Olympic lifter. He's uh, did all of his um, qualifications and he's a UK SCA accredited. He's a blue belt. Um, he's been in competitions. He's won competitions. You know, like if you looked at an X-ray, you won't mind me saying this because it's on the podcast and stuff, and I won't drop his name. But if you looked at an X-ray of his, you know, like it's just just metal and plates <laughs> and screws in his back. You know, but it doesn't stop him from going on the mat. He's not he's not fear avoidance. He's not saying right because I've got this, I'm not going on the mat. He's saying right because I've got this, I'm going. 
you know, and he's using that to propel himself. It's a very, you know, it's, a, it's just a very inspiring chap and what he's been through and what he's gone through. He could have wrapped ages ago and just gone, oh, I'm not doing that. And he's a monster. When, it, when yeah. you get him on the mat, he's a, he's a pain in the ass. Like, he's really strong and it never stops him. You would have no idea. You had no idea that that's what he'd been through. Oh, mate, I feel yeah, like it's... an absolute wuss now. Because I'm before we <laughs> start recording, we were talking about why I didn't do why I'm, why I'm not yeah. trapping at all. Because my shoulders or my, my what I do, what with the way I train now, I feel like an absolute yeah, yeah. wuss. But I guess getting on. Yeah, well, 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 like, I mean, look, 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 look at uh, Mark Ormrod. Yeah, but he's, he's guy. Guy's a BJJ blue belt, all right, and he's missing three limbs. He's the first crazy. triple amputee. Was it forces triple amputee? Like, yeah. I mean, gee, he never stops. Like, you know, if you're feeling tired and you want some inspiration, just look at his Instagram for five minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's just, and to watch him roll on the mat. And um, um, I think it's, no, my instructor went to a, a, a para jujitsu session. I think Mark was supposed to go, but he didn't go. But there were people there with missing limbs, you know, with uh, inability to use one arm or, or some form of, um, I'm not using the word, you know, disability, but it's, you know, lack of a function, essentially, because it's not a disability, because they're able, (laughs) you know, they're well able, even with one arm or no legs, to strangle you and choke you out, etc. So he went to one and he said it was fantastic. So, I mean, but there you go, like, that's had had an effect on you, hasn't it? Because if, 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 if Mark can do it, you know, then we should all be going, well, hang on a second, what, what is my excuse, really? And there, there are, there are so many parallels that you can take from jiu-jitsu. I use jits as my example because I'm a big advocate of it. But that applies to rehabilitation. So like when you're recovering from an injury, it's just like, look, you don't ever stop. You've got to keep going. Don't ever give up. Yeah. And I guess with your, you know, your physio practice and, you know, your profession, the, the profession you do on a day job, coupled with the, the jiu-jitsu, being, you know, your podcast specifically, we've got to, get into that and people you know listeners will be able to understand right okay this is if i get an injury like this this is how i'm going to recover because a lot of people you know find and i find and a lot of people in in the world because they don't work out too much they get an injury and they just stop training completely which is not really what you should be doing like if i get an injury in, in my in my sport of weightlifting i don't stop training because if i stop training then i just completely lose all my strength so you have to adapt to train and you have to learn how to learn that pain is pain is not necessarily bad and it's and you've got to learn to manage the pain because if you stop complaining training completely you will just lose all aspects of what you've built to that to that point yeah i mean it sounds a uh, cliche but a healthy heart is a healing heart yeah yeah so just because you've a lower limb issue and you might not be able to run, you can still train your cardiorespiratory system, Mm. which will help you process the inflammation. It will help you increase your immunity. It'll help you heal that specific injury. As long as we give you the right things to do, that's not going to make your initial issue worse, then you can still train and you can still do that. Mm. Um, And it's about about getting the right treatment. Initially, it's about getting the right diagnosis. Okay, so finding out exactly as close to what's going on. So from that, you can work off the right diagnosis. Right, I think your issue is this. Therefore, based on good evidence-based practice, this is the best course of action that you need to take. Okay, should I stop doing this? 
well, yes, if it aggravates your symptoms, yes, but don't stop training, hmm. you know. But where so, do you think uh, over the years that's come from? Because do you, do you think it's doctors that have said, well, you should stop? Because you do, you do get a blanket if you've hurt yourself, right, don't do anything for six weeks or whatever. Whereas in reality, <laughs> that's because most doctors don't work out anyway and they just <laughs> they don't care about that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, physiotherapy was born out of um, it was either the first or second world war where it was a bunch of nurses that worked in the NHS started to specialize in movement. It was born out of amputees, like yeah. amputees that, you know, were unfortunately came back from the war. And back then, you know, at that particular time, you know, your, your mortality rate was going down very quick. Mm. And these nurses start to go, hang on a second, we need to, we need to look into this. And they train, they, they stepped away from kind of general medicine. And they were like, right, no, look, you're not going to lay in your bed today, you're going to get up, you're going to start moving. Um, and that is essentially was how physio right. was born, these nurses that separated. Now, it's still a very, uh, I'd say, female dominated profession but there's more mm -hmm. males getting into it like um but yeah it's uh i, th I, th I think that's bec it's become more apparent through people being more educated and realizing that that doesn't work anymore mm -hmm. i'll give you an example like let's say it wasn't too long ago maybe 10 12 years ago probably a little bit longer actually maybe 15 years ago if you went to your gp with acute back pain it was very common for the gp to give you um, a sick note for two weeks and recommend two weeks bed rest. Hmm. Like you so say, you're going to lie in bed and not move, Yeah, you know, and wait for your pain to go away. We all know that movement helps process inflammation, yeah. moving specific joints, moving specific muscles, stretching those tissues, etc., will help you process that particular problem. So, Okay, yes, in the initial period, maybe 24 to 48 hours after your initial onset of back pain, yes, you should rest to a certain degree, and that should be your window to kind of consume uh, some, some pharma, so some pain relief, maybe anti-inflammatories or basic pain relief, whatever, if, and you could do that without even getting a prescription, you know, and use the things like application of heat or rice and try and manage it as best as possible, but then guess what? You need to start moving, and, you know, it starts off, now we're not saying go out and start running, but you need to start moving and trying to restore as much mm. normal function as possible. OK, but you, it's almost like when you're in pain, uh, people need permission. Should I do this? I'm in too much pain. Should, should I be doing this? And you go, yeah, 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 you should. Yeah. Somebody, my GP says I shouldn't be doing it. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you need to start moving. <laughs> it, it frustrates. What frustrates me is that we have a large percentage. You know, we're going off topic here, but I have a, we have a large percentage of people in the UK or just in general that don't keep don't work out and by working out i mean they don't you know they don't go for runs they don't com compete in anything they don't do any sport or anything like that and then they get to the ages of you know 40 plus 50 plus and then they have issues with their body and then they're then they have to then you know catch up yeah then they have to work out how to get better but you but they've their whole life they've been sedentary they've not been working out like you know, I've just, there's someone close to me who's got issues with the bones, but it's just like, they've never worked out in their life. And I'm just like, if you would have just as, but it's not their fault. It's just the education of people. If they just did resistance training throughout their life, their bones would be in a much better position now than they would have, than they are. 
yeah, I suppose you could argue that that goes back to school. Physical mm. education in schools not what it used to be. Mm. You see some of these videos um, of like, what they were doing in the school in the 50s and 60s, and it's phenomenal. You know, gym that high level gymnastics, yeah. the kids learning how to move, learning how to propel themselves forwards, like gambling, full, rolling forwards, backwards, all, all sorts. It's just, I don't know whether it's just not really taught in schools nowadays or to a decent level anyway. So, well, here's a bit that, of that's probably down to the yeah, it's, it's well, if you look at if you look before the Boer War, which was in the early 1900s, we lost that to the South Africans, but the the um, whoever pointed that loss to the fact that we weren't disciplined and we weren't fit enough but that will stem from the school so after then they created a program that got people in school doing more physical physical education they started bringing military kind of training involved with like people being disciplined and then it changed and then you went to the schools and the physical education in the schools before I think World War One or World War Two was really good and then it tapered off and then became really bad and then maybe the fifth it just repeats itself it goes through stages and hopefully hopefully it will you know kick back in again soon yeah yeah well you could say the same about the army army training uh you know like we talked before we started recording we talked about lifting and Olympic lifting I never went in when I was in uh the, as a crow in the depot i never once saw a squat rack i never once mm -hmm. did any deadlifting nothing and now i see videos and and i follow a few people on uh, instagram you know and all it is is squat racks and uh, you know elliptical machines and mm -hmm. god knows whatever the gyms look great the gyms look great now in in training and, and that good good that they're good. doing that type yeah. of stuff it's good that that has been like it's filtered its way into kind of like the military because the military unless you sort it out I, I don't remember at any point at the depot literally being taught at a squat or to deadlift no no definitely yeah. not i mean it was I, like... I, I honestly don't and that was that was 97 and that was both in Purbrights. So i did my basic training in Purbright, and then we did phase two in catrick and i don't ever once remember pti going right this is how you deadlift this is how you snatch clean any none of that none of that push pull there was never i don't ever remember a gym session where they're going right guys uh you know we've got a we've got a cft coming up in the next four weeks that you've got to pass instead of just running your ragged we're going to teach you how to strengthen your body strengthen your core now this is this was back then i don't mm -hmm. ever remember doing any training like that it's complete opposite now it's you know you see some of these guys ptis that are all in the pti core and they've got master's degrees in strength and conditioning mm. brilliant that's a power to them and i'm glad they've gone that way um and I, I would say going back on my experience when i worked as a physio for the navy for 18 months the navy were just way ahead of the curve they really were they they always seem to be maybe that's they get a bigger pot when it comes to the funding but yeah. most of their ptis were like there was just squat racks everywhere it was all very much a, a strength and conditioning we've got to get you know the uh, the recruits through this with minimal kind of injuries and and build them up for their careers yeah well as the army we they just see uh they have to get through it <laughs> yes that's, that's why the navy's the oldest service right yeah yeah you're gonna get through it, even if we have to drag you by your chin strap mm. it's, it's crazy um you know but 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 saying that you know to, on the contrary to that, I didn't get any injuries in training. I got through training, you know, mm -hmm. 
quite, quite blissfully without anything seriously that jeopardised me going back. So, uh, but yeah, no, you could say it starts in schools or the lack of it in schools. Then you know, in regards to the military, but, but it's different now. So. I, wonder, I wonder what what I wonder what service has the most medically discharged because of injuries. That'd be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, like per capita, per capita. That'd be yeah. No, I guess yeah. you can't. I guess you'd have to exclude frontline injuries because yeah, it's only really you know the Marines and the Army that do that. But if you were to take it medically discharged because of injuries sustained, then that'd yeah. Be to think well, I mean, you say that I was quite surprised by the amount of uh, Matlows uh, and Navy like forces that I'd come across that had actually been out and done tours with the army had been mm. out on the ground as boots on the ground done yeah. tours with the Marines or done tours with the army um, you know where they'd gone in I don't know specialist radar up and they had mm -hmm. the specialist training they were like look we need you out there and they'd done it nice fair yeah. enough fair play yeah, yeah. I don't um, know just getting back onto the podcast side of things, where's the yeah. start in it? What's your um, what's what has been your biggest challenge doing it? Uh, I I think initially it was having the confidence to to ask these people, mm. you know, to reach out and say, you know, and and then you second guess yourself a lot of the time because you go well. You know, they might turn around and say, well, you've only done a few episodes and you haven't really got much of a following. Why should I, you know, and sometimes I have asked people who I wanted to chat to and I've just had nothing back. And you just think, oh, I was really open. You know, you didn't mm. at least say no. So initially it was reaching out and asking, asking the right guests or the guests that I thought I wanted on. Um, that was one of the biggest challenges. But I soon overcame that after a few you know, successes, you just think, well, well, if they don't want to come on, that's fine. They've done yeah. that. And I just have to accept it. Then I'd say the next biggest struggle is momentum. All right. So mm -hmm. it's maintaining momentum. So what I did for the first year, I wrote a list and I said, right, I'm going to do 12 episodes. I'm going to do one a month. All mm -hmm. right. Because basically that's a good, because it's a hobby. All right. I don't want to, um, I don't want to burn myself out doing this. And I don't, I don't want to get stressed at any particular point. I want to really enjoy it. So I do 12 and I did, I did my 12, I got my 12 in and then it started to get easier. And I was like, and then things just start, to, you know, really fit into place. But then, you know, life gets in the way, family gets in the way, job, you know, and then it changes. And then your momentum kind of dips a little bit and then you've got to pick it back up again. So, yeah, momentum, momentum was this, the, the second biggest issue. Uh I don't know. I suppose the third bit is the technical aspect yeah. of things. You know, <laughs> you just like you're kind of oh, learning as you go along. Like where you record it and you go, right now I need to do an intro and an outro. How do I do this? Right now, what about the sound? How do we get the sound right so it sounds really good on Spotify? And then you just think, God, if only there was somebody that I could just pay to do all this so I could free up my time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's it, it, it's paid prospecting then because it frees me up so i can yeah. crack on with the other stuff but again that's the being uncomfortable in those situations i would say that's one parallel i took from jujitsu and mm. it's just say no do it learn it and then you, you will have learned something from it yeah I'm, I'm, I'm the same mate like the technical thing for me was probably my biggest challenge just yeah. because you have to put everything together and then you may sometimes i remember doing my first episode just trying to like edit things, put it into place, and then trying to 
I was doing it on my missus laptops, which I still do now, but I, mean, I was so close to throwing it out the window, just like fucking, it was just, it was just, just an absolute nightmare. And I am, I'm just a big ape trying to like got big fat fingers trying to, it was just, <laughs> I was just getting so annoyed at it. And well, that is, to me was one of the biggest challenges. For sure. Well, you, you, you can, you can, put a lot of pressure on yourself you know this uh, and we i think in the in the forces it breeds that initial kind of like these perfectionist traits where you mm. think it's got to be right it's got to be perfect otherwise can it off or bin it don't bother doing it and that can stop you from doing a lot of things i just said to myself i've just got to get stuff out there i mean one episode uh we're, we're talking and then and the 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 chap that i was talking to is his internet went you know what i mean and just thinking oh this is this is a nightmare but you just address it acknowledge it oh we lost your internet there for a couple of seconds right we're back on there you go yeah like you know i'm sure we all take inspiration from you know joe rogan all right and that's kind of one of the people who inspired me um initially started listening to podcasts then i came across hughes and i reached out to hugh and he was he was a great help in getting me to get mine launched off the thing. And he's, mm. you know, and I was thinking, well, you know, cause initially I was like, oh, sure, I need a studio. So I went to see Hugh in his studio, his first one that he was using. I said, I don't need this. And he, he just put a couple of, like, you, you probably don't need to do that. I was like, mm. yeah, you're right. So it's one of those things. It's like, you know, I, I, I like sometimes the, the grainy amateur look about it uh, because at the end of the day, it's the content that matters the most. It's, it's the conversation. I remember yeah. getting the feedback off one chap and he was like, you know, I, I had to record in the garage because my clinic wasn't ready. And he goes, well, maybe you shouldn't record in the garage. You can see your bike, you know, in the background and stuff like that. And then I went, oh, well, okay, fair enough. And then I looked and the majority of downloads were on Spotify. Yeah. You know, like, where everyone, no, no, no one nobody watches anyway. the video yeah. on Spotify. Yeah. And I just say, so you know what I mean? You can get hang up, you can, you can get hung up on that, um, that, feedback and think yeah. well yeah that's that's a valid point but then you go well hang on a minute no it doesn't matter yeah yeah so yeah so the, the, those were some of the kind of i'd say key frustrations i have with getting it up and running and you know and, and the, the most important thing is like i said I, I ground myself every now and again and i say look it is a hobby um it's something i really enjoy doing the podcast allows me to get out and meet people that probably ordinarily I wouldn't get a chance to chat to or chat to quite in depth and ask some quite in depth or personal questions. Um, and then everyone that I've had on, I've stayed in contact with a lot of them were my old, old patients, but either way, mm. some form of contact. And those are great contacts to make. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, they really are. When I first, so my, on my initial, I started this, I think, when did I start this a year ago? No, just over a year and a half ago, maybe. But I, I had the idea but way before COVID. And my idea was I wanted to sit in a pub with people, like have a pint. I wanted it to be, you know, get like a quiet area at a pub or a private, like have a beer. Because my, my idea was blokes, you know, especially veterans, we struggle to talk and we're not, especially about the hard things, the, the combat and, you know, the stress that it puts you under and whatnot. So I was like, right, let's just get, let's go into a pub, let's have a, Let's have a beer. Maybe there's a little bit of background noise. I didn't realize how much background noise there would be. But so I had this idea, I think, uh, before Christmas 2019. And then, um, yeah, I just got a bit slow. And then I literally, probably two weeks before, two weeks before um, 
COVID hit, like all the lockdowns. So I was, so it wasn't even, it wasn't even like, we weren't even thinking of the country was going into lockdown. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And then COVID hit. I was like, ah. So then that gave me time to like, think about what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do. And then I think the first episode was in June, maybe 2020. And it was, or June or July, it was just after we opened up and that was when I had my first episode. But I was just like, COVID helped me with setting it up, but I was always going to do it. And my idea is, is changed what it is. And I'm maybe, maybe one day I'll have a episode where I'm sat in a pub talking to people, but that will probably end badly because I'll just end up getting on the last too much and just <laughs> getting the tequilas and the Jaegers in or something. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's all right, isn't it, to change? Do you yeah. know what I mean? You know, you have your plan A and your plan B. If it doesn't work, you've got a backup idea. You know, so what? there's nothing wrong with that, is there? You know, there's nobody, I don't know what it was initially when I first started, there's nobody stood with a, a, a checklist yeah. marking me. I'm not being graded on anything. I'll do this because, you know, I want to do it. And there's, there's some great, inspiring people out there who've, who could, just if you got them talking and somebody else who might be in a bit of a slump and think, you know, this is, this is shit. I don't see how I'm going to get out of this. If they listen to you know somebody else's story, if that would just if you make a change in one person, then fantastic. You know? mm. And also as well, it's about a bit of personal development. When I first wanted to launch it, I was riddled with fear and mm. thinking, well, who's going to want to listen to me? Mm. Who's got like why why should it be me that's doing this? Um, like and it's that little internal monologue, you know, that narrative where it goes stay you know in your station don't do that and then i did the first one and then i just you know your, your finger was like this hitting the post button mm. on youtube and, and then i did it and i just thought and then from that you know it's, it's, it's great it's been great i love it. it's a great experience and I've, it's great to feel uncomfortable and nervous but i don't feel it like what i did before so you grow this development that comes from being you know, uncomfortable. Mm. Again, that's, again, it sounds cliche, but that's a parallel to jujitsu. Mm. You know, you can feel uncomfortable and learn from it and develop from it. And and that, that's what I've got from doing the podcast. It's been great. It's helped me listen. It's helped me be a, a much more attentive listener. Mm. All right. And it's really, I, I think, helped me develop my conversation and communication skills, which I'm chuffed for. So, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I was the same, mate, like that. Well, I was thinking about doing it and then I'm like, who am I to start a podcast? Like I've only, I only did one tour. I only did five years in the army. I'm, I'm a nobody. And I was like, but one thing I've always been good at is talking to people and people have always, you know, I, I think I'm quite easy to get on, get on with, even though I'm grumpy as fuck, but I still have, have an ability to talk to people. So I, so I tend to try it. So I was like, you know the anxiety before it was like who am i why should i do this and like you said that first play i was like oh. you know it was almost just like like fuck it i'm just gonna just gonna put it on there and see what happens and then if it, if it... you can you can over analyze it and you can be so self-critical and it stops you from doing stuff you know and it, it there's that's something that we've like the podcast has helped me get past and you know and that's something that we should all do is stick ourselves get comfortable in the uncomfortable zone mm. what um with, with doing your podcast what would you say your greatest 
memories are or your your most favorable moments pick um, guests or whatever or just things you've learned while doing it oh god um that's a that's a, I, I don't like i don't want to single anyone out because i'd say each one has been brilliant and at, at the stages um it, it was fascinating i'd say one that really like one moment that really like stayed with me to the point where when i finished doing it i went i, I went i was working down in london um i'd uh, i'd gone down to this uh, it was gracie baha fulham I think it was Fulham. Yeah, it was a jiu-jitsu gym. So I said, "Look, I'm down in London doing a, a couple of weeks' work. Um, can I come and train?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, no problem." So anyway, I went in, and, and the head instructor there was a Brazilian that had moved to the UK, and uh, he's uh, he, he's he was like a Pan American champion, etc. But his story really resonated with me to the point when I left, I just I was quite stunned, you know, like for quite a long time, and it was because. This guy had, had, had been diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, so cancer of the lymphatic system. And he competed 10 days after chemo. Okay, now we know what chemo is. It's basically poison that they're pumping into the system to kill the cancer. Mm. All right, so your body reacts from it. And chemo can really, well, it can and, and knock you sideways. And he competed 10 days after having chemo in the Pan America, and he won. Now, that was one thing that he did. Right, and he, he so he beat the cancer. You just think, Jesus! I don't even go to the gym after a heavy cold. Hmm. You know, I've got to leave the gym off. And this guy competed. He's also competed with a broken arm. He went in with his arm, took like it's on YouTube. He went in with his arm tucked into his thing, and the other bloke, out of respect, didn't attack the arm. You know, like tried to do something else. Yeah. But he was, you know, he, he still went for it. And I just think, and I'm like, you, you go like. It's not just the forces community that have got that determined grip. There are, you know, there are people out there that are just, so that blew me away. I came away from that thinking that was unreal. You know, the guy beat cancer and here he is to this day, you know, like this high level jujitsu instructor. He's fantastic. That was a, that was a real kind of like, wow, this is quite painful. This is quite painful, but powerful at the same time. I mean, I'm already already thinking that I wasn't going to go to gym today because my legs were sore because I did a big squat <laughs> session. But now I'm like, stop being an absolute. <laughs> you you pull, you have not my ego like twice already in this interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, now Dave, sort your life out. <laughs> yeah, I think well, that was one po- poignant moment where I just went, God, what am I onto here? You know, like, and you really realise oh, that was great. Um, then there was uh, an, another moment where. Um, I'd approached Neil Adams, who's um, they they he's he's dubbed the voice of judo. So your mom will know who he is if your mom's a former black belt. If you say Neil Adams, he's like a when in the judo and the grappling world, he's like flipping, you know, yeah. he's like a god. Well, he yeah. is. He's like he's a world judo champion. So he's a medalist, two times silver medalist in the Olympics. And, uh, you know, and he's still on the scene. He's like a red belt now. So he's the highest. So he's like a grandmaster jud- jud- uh, judoka. And uh, he only lives around the corner. Like, mm-hmm. so I approached him and I said, you know, can I come up and interview? And yeah, yeah, no problem. So I went up and he's got his own gym. You know, like, as you do, as most 60 retired yeah. Olympic uh, Olympians do. He's got his own gym in his barn. And I, walk, I rocked up and he's 
he's on the rower going nuts and uh, he says yeah yeah come in he's, he's, he's married to his wife's uh, an ex olympic uh, judoka from the canadian team mm-hmm. had a cup of tea and he goes yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll put the geese on and he, he coached me for free for 45 minutes uh. before the podcast the guys wrote a book on grips all about jujitsu grips right and it's called a game of grips he's, yeah. he's wrote quite a few books but he wrote this book on a game of grips he's well known it's like um uh you know all the top brazilians know about neil and mm. you know wanted to come and train with him etc he was on my doorstep and he coached me for free for 45 minutes oh, on gripping and and just one certain movie says oh this will work really well for you in jiu-jitsu people pay five six hundred quid to work with yeah. neil for privates and we were there doing this 45 minute private and then i, I was like uh should we do the podcast it's getting a bit late. He went, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, and that was just one of those moments to this day yeah. where I just, you know, I'll sit in the gym and I'll go, yeah, but you've never had a private with Neil Adams, yeah. have you? For free. For free. You know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. So, that, again, that was that was another, oh, like, great moment. But I would pick, you know, like, with every single person that I've interviewed, I've got, like, some sort of history or mm. I've got a link there. Like I said, a lot of them are even my own patients. Yeah. Patients in the past, they're people that I've worked with, or I will know them at some point, or there'll be a, you know, one degree of separation or mm, something. So yeah. yeah, so those I'd say were two of the two of the most poignant moments. Well, they're pretty good. <laughs> they're pretty powerful, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And it, but look, you know, you, you, you I would have never got that conversation, or I would never had that opportunity to have that audience, you know, with those people to 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 get that. And, and yeah. you know, you just think, wow. But that all comes from you pressing. That all comes from you pressing record, though, doesn't it? You know, had you not had you not taken that leap early on and gone, do you know what I'm going to do it? Press record. You wouldn't have ever gotten that chance to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I interviewed um, I interviewed Conor McGregor's strength and conditioning coach, and again, I was quite a few inter- interviews into the podcast. I was really nervous. I was like. You know, this is quite a big one here. I'm mm-hmm. so nervous. What a nice guy. So friendly. But again, it was what, you know, the fingers, you're giving it the fiddler's elbow before you, you press record. Because I was thinking, God, you know, like, what is it? Like, why do we get so nervous? It's just a bloke. He's just a human at yeah. the end of the day, isn't he? He's yeah. just doing a job like most of us. We blow it up to be more than what it is. Anyway, I had a chat with him. Such a laugh. Such a nice guy got the gym he's got his gym out in portugal he was like yeah come over anytime and you just think oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> when would i ever get that opportunity yeah. you know like so i've got to go you know now mm. now covid's kind of well Calm down hope, bit, hope calming down you know, super variant now that's coming about yeah but I've, I've got to go so like one weekend you know ghee in bag which is yeah. your, your suit kimono you know in bag long weekend to portugal i've just got to get that past the long-haired sergeant major yeah. indoors, first of all i've <laughs> <laughs> got to sell it to her somehow yeah, yeah. you know well but that yeah. could be a holiday for them as well yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean it's like um it's opened so many doors and that's why i want to i want to chat to people who do grappling mm. you know it, it has opened so many doors and wherever i go you know, I, I had my stag do a few years back and we went to Budapest and after the madness had calmed down, I was like, right, I'm going training. I found a gym. Hmm. 
I went training a few days after my stag do, and it's <laughs> you know, I was I came back and my mate was the best man was like, You all right? And they're like, Black eye, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, Yeah, it's great. So you, you, you got back and your missus like, Fuck, what happened to you? He's like, No, just found a uh, just found a gym, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, so good. All right, mate. What's the um? What do you see the future of the Grappling with Physio podcast? What what was coming up? You know, you know, you were talking to me before you recorded. What what have you got coming up? Well, I've got I've got a list of other people that I kind of want to work my way through, essentially, mm. and get on the podcast and start interviewing. So what I do every now and again, write a list. Once I've ticked those people off, when I first started, I did 12. I wanted to do one a month. Then I've wrote another list. The list gets bigger because you get more confident. Mm. So I've got about 30 people on the on the new list. And it's to eventually dip away at those. But at the same time, um, I'm working on a project in the background where um, I'm basically building... Uh, it's 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 like a product that you can download. So basically, if you do grappling or judo, it's injury management. How you, how what's the best way to manage injuries within mm-hmm. this sport? Okay, to you know to keep you on the mat and to stop you from having as much time off the mat because we know that this is this can be detrimental. Mm-hmm. So it's to build that kind of uh, it's to build that presentation that essentially it will be like a, a virtual. You know, you, you click on this and then boom, the video is mm. downloaded and mm-hmm. it'll be like a selection of slides. Mm. So I've got a videographer on board at the moment and we're going to discuss how we're going to kind of like bring that forward. Again, I need to set a website up, etc., and all the rest yeah. of it. So I want that running on in the background. Uh, and it's just to keep going, basically, to keep, yeah. uh, keep interviewing these people, keep getting the positive message out there. Uh, and, and the truth as well, you know, like not that it's all, it's all, you know, yeah, life's great 24 seven, you know, it's yeah. not, it's, it's, it's to get the truth out basically. So just, just keep going with that and then see where it, see where it takes me. So. I mean, that sounds coming from the physio point of view from you. I mean, like you said before, if you do jujitsu, the very high chance you're going to get injured at some point. And a lot of us don't have the knowledge or, you know the the experience to learn where it comes from and you know if you're doing something like that then someone gets injured doing this it's something that they can work towards and Ab- you know, abs- abs- yeah absolutely so like a lot of people when they do get injured the first thing they do is they just rap on everything mm. and they just go right oh, oh, that's me off now for quite a long time and you know and i've had injuries like if, uh, it was only two just maybe three no two and a half months ago i was training uh i I went to jump past somebody's guard and my uh my left calf just completely ruptured huge snap pop turn around felt like i'd been booted in the back of the leg and as i went to walk off collapsed because my the muscle belly had literally just ruptured and i was god you know immediately mild shock kicks in and the pain and you're just thinking oh and i wasn't thinking I'm going to be in a lot of pain. I'm going to have to do this. All I was thinking was, right, I'm off the mat now for a minimum of six weeks. Yeah. So, you know, thankfully got in. Now I've got all the gear. No idea. I've got all <laughs> yeah. the gear. So I've got a cry cuff. There we go. <laughs> with a bit of an idea. Yeah. Um, cry cuff, straight on it. Manage the acute symptoms. Then yeah. the next day, I've got my TENS machine on there. Reduce the pain. Yeah. Okay. Then it's like crutches. You know, all these things that people would be like, well, what do I do? I'm in a position, I'm fortunate that I know, right, this is what I got to do. And I was back on the mats. Now, within kind of two weeks, I think of, once I'd weaned off the crutches, 
Okay, within two weeks, I was in the squat rack and I was squatting. Nice. And so get, I'm, I'm back on loading the muscle, mm. regenerating muscle tissue and trying to regain as much normal function as possible. So when it came to going back on the mats, I was fit and healthy as possible and I didn't have to play too much catch up. Mm. You know, because you do lose momentum when you're yeah. not training. So, I mean, mate, I've, that's one thing I've always, like I've not done it because I've learned how to do it. I've done it because I've just, in my head, just done Like if I've ever had an injury, I've always worked at, I've always kind of worked to the point of pain and just kind of stuck there. So I'm getting used to that pain. And it may not be the best idea because I'm not a physio, but I just, that's the way I've always, if I've, if I've had like a knee injury, I've always got on the leg extension super early at a low, low resistance just to work and strengthen in that position when it's weak. I mean, I'm, you know, don't take my advice from it, but that's how I've always looked at it. And that's how I've always gotten over my injuries. Yeah, but that's good. And, you know, kudos to you. Did it make you worse? No. Did it prolong your injury? Probably. But... No, no, no. See, well, <laughs> no, it... yeah, no. Yeah, I know you're no, right. But it didn't make you worse. If it didn't make you worse, it didn't prolong your injury. No. Therefore, you were able to get back. So that's great. That's great insight. Yeah. That's the ability to go, well, what can I do? How can I keep training? So when I do, when I am able to squat, when I'm able to explode into the snatch, etc., what can I do in, in the interim, you know, to keep yeah. me going? Yeah, that, 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 that's one of the things. That's the, the pain pleasure complex. All right. Nobody ever moves unless you're not wired properly. Nobody ever moves towards the pain. No. Okay. We always move the opposite way. We move away from pain. And unfortunately, when you're in pain because of an injury, that can stop you from doing so many things. It's my job as a physio to coerce you into working in the as much yeah. as the pain or within an acceptable parameter as close yeah. to the pain as possible without causing any further damage so we essentially uh, trigger the healing process and, the, and the, yeah. the, the recovery process all right mate well thanks for coming on mate um where can people if you just point people in the right direction of where they can find your podcast um okay yep so um I'm a, the podcast is on YouTube, which is all the which is the video and the audio. The mm -hmm. audio is, is on all of the major providers, iTunes, Spotify, whatever the other ones are. Um, yeah. But it's it's on wherever. Honestly, most providers you you can find it. And uh, if you're in the Coventry or the West Midlands area and you're looking for physiotherapy, then please reach out to me and get in touch. Uh, if you're a fighter or, a, you know, um, a grappler or a judoka and you're looking for somebody who's a physio that kind of has a bit more of an inkling in that area, by all means, reach out to me on Grappling with Physio, which is on Instagram. Uh, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I just kind of stick to one uh, social media outlet to be honest with you so that kind of se seems to work yeah all right well i'm gonna put all the links in anyway so i'll, I'll get them all in but mate appreciate you coming on and sharing your time no and sorry that's my message just getting home yeah that's okay. <laughs> all right mate yeah. all right mate well thanks for Dave, thanks on. very much buddy all right cheers thanks mate cheers mate thanks bye there it was uh, second episode of this mini series thanks paul for coming on hope you guys enjoyed that and uh, next episode will be getting jones coming on from veteran state of mind um yeah just talking about his podcast so i hope you tune in for that until next time lay low move fast and stay safe and i'll see you then